Welcome to the Vulture TV Podcast. I'm your host, Gazelle Amami. On this week's show, we're breaking down the final season of HBO's Girls. I'm here with TV columnist Jen Cheney. Hey, Gazelle. Hey, Jen. And, and Matt, Matt Zoller Seitz is on his honeymoon this week, which is very exciting. And Good excuse to miss the podcast. I guess it's okay. <laughs> I know. This is the only only way it could have been acceptable for him to miss our girls' podcast. <laughs> but but we're very thrilled to have Vulture contributor and girls recapper for Vulture, Catherine Van Arendonk, here with us today. Catherine, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into kind of the the nitty-gritty of this series finale, I thought we could start with a prompt that looks at girls' moments because there have been so many iconic moments on girls that are have, that are just memorable. And I'm curious what your favorite girls' moments are, Jen and Catherine. Well, I'll start. Um, the one that immediately came to my mind actually was from last season's finale, uh, which in a lot of ways could have been a series finale had it had it. Uh, decided to end with five seasons instead of six. And that's the episode that ends with um, Hannah doing that big speech at the moth uh, that ultimately ends up being her New York Times piece at the beginning of season six. And I just loved that they really kind of made that such a big moment for her personally. And they let that whole uh, speech that she gave just play out in real time. And the camera sort of very slowly panned in on her. Uh, I thought it was a great performance by Lena Dunham. And, you know, it was one of those moments where it was Hannah was saying the right things, but you started to think, you know, maybe she is beginning to understand forgiveness and thinking of other people because that whole monologue is about, you know, her coming to terms with Adam and Jess's relationship. And I just thought that was a really poignant and lovely turning point for the character on the show and and just well-executed craftsmanship-wise on on all fronts. Totally. Yeah. And there's so much buildup to that moment because you're so a mix of kind of nervous anticipation for what she's going to say and how good it's going to be. And I was just totally mesmerized by that moment and hearing her read and feeling like she had a lot of potential in her as a writer. So I there are so many of these. And when I was looking at the list, I did a ranked list of all of the episodes and I just was like baffled by how you even pick a favorite moment. I mean, I think, you know, uh, episodes like um, Panic in Central Park, you know, that whole thing feels like this remarkable bit. Um, Beach House obviously also is this stunning, stunning episode. And I just love that final shot with the four of them sitting and like begrudgingly doing this choreographed dance that they all kind of hate, but are sort of doing it together anyhow. Um, And so I was thinking about that. And then also the moment that I wanted to bring up that I feel like is probably going to get a little bit lost in talking about this season is the very end of the first episode of season six. Um, Because it's this moment where Hannah is sitting with Paul Louis in front of the bonfire right before she's she's like on this surf trip and she's on the Hamptons and she's about to go back. She is thinking about, you know, all this weekend that she's had 
and she feels so all of a sudden she's like smiling and she's like at the summer camp experience. And then like her face, the last shot before it cuts to credits, her face just twists. And it foreshadows, you know, looking back all of the stuff that's going to happen in that season. But it also is just like I had not really appreciated how much Lena Dunham was going to grow and be strong as an actress in this season. And that little face moment for me is a remarkable moment from her. Yeah. I love, I love that shot. It's such a beautiful shot. And it, that moment really takes you off guard because you think she's like, you're going to leave her in this happy moment where she's just blissful. But no, <laughs> just like right before it goes to black, it just takes that away. I, you, you know, Catherine, you mentioned Beach House and I do love that moment at the end. But I think my favorite girls moment, just thinking back on the one that has kind of stayed with me the most, would have to be Shoshana's speech to to the rest of the girls earlier in the Beach House episode when she tells off all of her friends which is later kind of repeated in this final season when she tells them off once again. But this first one was such an epic telling off moment and kind of, especially in retrospect, encapsulates so much of what the show is in a lot of ways and what it's kind of building towards, which is four people who are slowly drifting away from one another. And and just, just looking at that moment on its own, though, it really kind of captured that feeling of saying something that you can't take back and you know everything is kind of different after that point. And also the feeling of saying everything you want to say in this really cathartic way. I I remember feeling kind of so like taken aback by it and amazed and entertained by what she said at the time. And, you know, it caught me it caught me off guard. But I, there was also this element of truth to it where it kind of felt like a twist in a weird way where you didn't see it coming, but it totally made sense once it came that that would happen uh, and that that, you know, this whole episode, they're kind of uh, begrudgingly hanging out with one another. But it wasn't coming from Shosh. It was kind of that was the moment she became kind of a real person on the show. So didn't expect her to be the one to kind of blow up like that. Mm-hmm. So that would that would be my favorite girls moment. But there's so many good ones. And even just in this last final season of the show, and we are going to get into all of that in just a minute. So so the girls finale didn't really feel like a finale in the traditional sense of how we think about TV finales. I, I think a lot of people have talked about how the penultimate episode of this season, where we saw Hannah and Marnie and Jessa and Shoshana kind of reckon with their friendship. And we see Hannah make this kind of adult decision to move upstate for her job. And everyone gets a quote unquote end to their story. That that was kind of seen as the more finale-esque ending to the show, whereas this actual finale felt more like a peek into what comes after. And kind of functions a little bit like a short story like a lot of this season has and like a lot of girls episodes do. But it did feel kind of reminiscent of the of the pilot episode in a lot of ways. And I was wondering yeah. if we could talk a little bit about that and how it did kind of feel like a natural end to the show in these kind of unexpected ways. Yeah. So, you know, it felt like it really was circling back to 
a lot of the issues, a lot of the stuff that the pilot does, um, not just thematically, although I think that's probably the most important and the stuff that uh, I really came away from, <laughs> I really came away from that episode about, um, you know, the, the, pilot episode is all about this question of whether or not Hannah's going to be able to detach from her parents. Um, she wants to have this like standalone life. She wants to be this writer, but she sort of wants, you know, is hoping for their financial support and they're trying to get her like launched and standing on her own. And that, that kind of that dynamic is, a massive part of the pilot, um, the pilot itself. But I was actually also thinking just visually some of the things that the finale does that calls back. Um, there was actually a commenter that I saw who was pointing out that Hannah's hair, which has gone through all of these journeys over the past six seasons, suddenly in the finale, she has a very similar kind of, uh, length and the the unkempt wave yeah, of, so the, of the pilot it. episode, and it's almost like we're meant to to get back in her face and in her hair to that to that moment that we we saw before yeah. in the pilot. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of visual callbacks, like that that panning shot that opens the the finale of Marnie and and uh, Hannah spooning is completely a callback to to the almost the, the exact same shot in the pilot. Um, and then certainly, you know, the whole idea that in the first scene of Girls, you know, Hannah's having this argument with her parents where they're trying to cut her off financially, which is essentially like saying, hey, daughter, stop suckling at, at our teat. And <laughs> in the last moment in this is her getting her child to latch on. I mean, I th- and I feel like the way that they, I know the idea that you know, she got pregnant and was having a baby. It felt like sort of this is the shortcut way to symbolize someone becoming more mature. Um, but it also felt like they were, again, hearkening back to the beginning and, and showing Hannah making different choices because, you know, in the first episode, Jessa has gotten pregnant, um, you know, not on purpose. And she ultimately decides to get an abortion, um, but then she miscarries before she can can go through with it. But Hannah has the same situation. In fact, I had forgotten that in the very first episode, uh, Jessa mentions that she met a surfer while she was traveling. And so the implication is that it was <laughs> a surfer who yeah. impregnated her. And I'm like, wow, that's what happened to Hannah. So um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, th- I feel like a lot of that stuff was very deliberately done. Sure. And even though people had yeah. sort of reactions, and I understand that, too, that, you know, especially um, young women who who connected to these characters and felt like, well, why why do I have to have a baby to, quote, unquote, grow up? Why couldn't Hannah have found maturity through some other means? And, and I think that's an interesting conversation to have. But from just purely from a narrative-like structure perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really smart. This is the crux of my feelings about this finale, which I am still struggling with. (laughs) On the one hand, I completely agree with you. And as I was writing the recap, I feel very strongly that like it ties up all of this thematic material. It does all of this visual reference and the server thing, which I did not even catch. And, um, you know, it, it is this really, and it's and in classic girls style, the, it picks this idea, the sort of latching breastfeeding idea and manages to make that both a physical instantiation as well as this metaphorical thing that ties up all of this stuff going on from a narrative standpoint. Like, I just think it's, it's, 
stunning, masterful. And then I come to like my own personal like feeling about what has happened this season and the journey that they have put Hannah on. And I just, it is not as easy for me to, it's, it's harder for me to buy into the place that they took her. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is, I feel like such a crucial and tricky thing about this series and has always been right. Like, people bringing themselves to it or not seeing themselves in it in the way that they want to, or feeling frustrated by the image that supposedly represents them versus what it's doing as a television show, as a piece of art. Um, It is so hard to tease those things apart. And I, and I, and I don't even know if girls, I mean, I think it clearly is posing those questions. So it feels like it's not unfair to ask them, but yeah, it is. It is tricky. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of another show in recent years that has had more baggage associated with it than Girls. Um, yeah. Sometimes justified baggage, certainly. But sometimes it felt like piled on baggage that, you know, it was an easy target. And therefore, it, it just, like you said, it's it's a lot harder to tease certain things about it apart. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of, I totally get what you're saying, Catherine. And I, I've kind of struggled with the the pregnancy narrative this season, although I have enjoyed most of the season just on a, if if it weren't, if it weren't, if there weren't this kind of, this is how they're deciding to end the show element. I think, you know, I've enjoyed a lot of how they've dealt with the pregnancy. Most of, most of all in terms of how it allowed the show into delve into questions of moving on to another phase in your life and how lonely that can be. And that yeah. element I thought was the most powerful to me versus the actual pregnancy itself, which, again, it didn't necessarily need that in order to delve into these questions, but yeah. but it, it chose to. Um, so, yeah, I I guess I was most surprised by how her writing career was dealt with because it felt a little convenient, yes. just, you know, uh and it was completely absent from the finale. And yeah, she didn't talk about it at all. Yeah, at all. Like I, I guess it kind of changed my idea of what the show, what the show was working towards. I mean, I it complete like I and Jen, you wrote about this how it's kind of a a coming of age narrative. But I guess I had ex- and it and it did that in a in a way that I hadn't expected. Where I guess I had expected the coming of age narrative to include her career and right. her kind of growth in that because that's kind of what kickstarts the entire series, you know? Right. I mean, my, what I took away and I, I, you know, a lot of this is, is me uh, predicting what, what would happen in her life is that she'll go back to the writing at some point, but right now she's focused on as, as one is when they've just had a baby on how to deal with the baby part of it. Uh, and I think Lena Dunham and, and, Jenny Connor and everybody else involved with the show decided that that was that was the route they were going to travel to show her progression more so than whatever she was doing with her writing. Like the writing would still be there for her um, when she's ready to return to it kind of thing. But I get totally get what you're saying, Gazelle. It is it does feel like a departure in a lot of ways. Even with the way that this season opened up with her having a modern love column in the New York Times, that got me kind of excited. I was like, so what's going on with Hannah as a writer? Like. I I was kind of excited to catch up with her at that point in her career because it's such an exciting time in your career if you're starting to make it. 
And so I, I think I think it just it was a matter of shifting my expectations of the season. Uh, and once I did, you know, I was able to kind of find, you know, find a lot of just interesting thematic material to, you know, that there was a lot of interesting thematic material they were dealing with through the pregnancy narrative. Yeah, I think I think for me, the question of her absent writing in the finale was particularly frustrating in the same way that I'm still frustrated by the fact that she got this academic job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not look, look, it's just not look, it's not real. And also the house, but, like her house is very nice, even though it's kind so of in the middle nice. of nowhere, it's very nice. It's, it's, there's no way, there's just <laughs> no way, I, anyhow. Um, but I, I don't mean that to be a criticism in the sense of like fictional things can't happen on fictional shows. I don't mean that for it to be a, this, this complaint about like, well, you know, obviously they can't, you know, stretch the boundaries of the narrative because it's like you're trying to make a good story. I, I completely understand that. What's frustrating for me about that plot point And then also the absent writing at the end is that it feels like in the interest of, creating this admittedly and an absolutely beautiful narrative symmetry out of the sort of mother-daughter imagery, the, the mother-parent, the, the parent-child um, sort of growth maturity arc, there are these really important and difficult obstacles that just get washed over, Right. And so one of them is like, how do you find a job that will actually allow you to have health care and, um, and uh, pay for childcare while you are trying to work? And one of them is, you know, how do you become a writer who has, who feels creatively fulfilled while you also are a parent? Right. Um, and so by shortcutting all of that, it, it just, it washes over a part of that conversation that I think would have created depth in a way that I, that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's a case where it's like, is that me trying to ask too much of this show because it is uncannily relevant to my life or <laughs> is it, um, is it actually something that the show is papering over in a way that is a problem? Yeah. Like I, it, I honestly I don't know. It would have been interesting, for example, if that on love piece had somehow led to her getting a job interview at the Times. And she would have been faced with a situation where, you know, she maybe had to choose, like, do I take this job at the Times knowing that I'm going to have the baby or take the baby out of the equation? And she just it was the pressure of working at this, uh, you know, institution that she's never had to work at uh, that, like, kind of forced her to get her shit together. I mean, that would have been interesting, too. So there are a lot of different ways it could have gone. They didn't have to involve the pregnancy. It's just that that's that's what they chose to do. Yeah. Well, I I am curious, you know, Jen and Catherine, as two people who have gone through pregnancy in the early stages of motherhood, do you, did you feel like it dealt with that experience in any way that felt kind of true? Yes. Mm. I, that, what I will say. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that, there's the Hannah element and she's right. a curveball in a lot of ways. But go ahead. Right. But I, I will say that. Um, I well, I can't think of another episode of television that has spent so much time talking about breastfeeding. Jane the Virgin. Oh, Jane had, the Virgin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But not but not certainly that list is not long. Yeah. Right? I mean it, it's not yeah. something that that scripted television deals with very much and you know, 
not to get like super personal, but you know, my experience uh, having a kid was that having the kid was easy, but the nursing part was hard, and it and it yeah. does bring up all these issues about. I'm I'm not doing this right. And as self-involved as it was for Hannah to say, my baby hates me, there is something to that where I think when women have problems nursing their children, they do feel like they're not connecting and they're doing it wrong and there's something wrong with them. And yeah. so yeah. Hannah was, again, as always, making it about herself, but there was a kernel of, of something that I think is universal even in, in women who are maybe uh, a little more mature than Hannah Hannah is. So yeah, that I, aspect of it, I really appreciated a lot. Absolutely. And I think it also really worked well with a kind of move that the series has done very well in the past, which is um, that there is some turmoil happening in Hannah's mental, emotional life. And then we see some kind of bodily expression of that turmoil, right? So in season two, that became the OCD where she was suddenly had this, had this real writing goal that was also completely impossible to achieve. And then, and then it had a re a flare up of her OCD and we could see all that kind of anxiety physically manifest. I got to say, breastfeeding is this, this really intense, like it is your brain and it is sort of like your, your, all, all of these things about who you want to be as a person also get tied up with like who you are physically in a way that feels unfair, <laughs> but also like unavoidable somehow. So that, that makes so much sense to me. I thought that was really well done. And I loved it because I have really missed the body in the pregnancy plot. Like I was very surprised that we didn't hear more from Hannah, who is so connected with like who, what her body looks like and where, what it is doing and how it reads to other people um, and how uncomfortable she is. I was surprised we did not get more of that about pregnancy, but it was really nice to see it. And I think it worked really well from the breastfeeding angle in this in the finale. Yeah. That's so true. She I feel like she would have spent so much time like staring at herself in the mirror just like in so wonder at what time. was happening to her body, you know? <laughs> yes. Or like the experience of like suddenly you can feel, you know, a, a baby moving inside of you. Like I am sure Hannah would have written an essay about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Catherine, you did predict that the final shot of the series would be of her breastfeeding. So I wanted to give you kudos for that. Yes. <laughs> what does she win? Um, well, the title, baby. the latching title, felt <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty big tip off. Let's talk about some other moments in this finale, because there are a lot of things that happen strangely in a kind of surreal way. She bumps into this kid who has run away from home and Hannah thinks it's because she was raped or something really traumatic, but it's just because she kind of she's her her mom is trying to make her do her homework. Um, and this, again, kind of circles back to the pilot in the sense that you have this person who's being incredibly immature in the face of her parents. And it's instead, this time, Hannah is the one trying to tell this person that their parents, her parents have the, her best interests at heart. You know, sometimes when the show does things like this, it can feel a little bit like like it's trying to make a point in this way that feels like a little bit forced. But mm-hmm. I think I ultimately liked it um, just because the show is kind of it's just it knows how to handle it with enough humor that it it does. It kind of 
makes it work within the world of the show. Because I think what I liked most about it was that the girl she was talking to, like, actually sounded like a baby. Like, she, the way she was acting was insane. Like, <laughs> and, and I, it's just so over the, t- the top. Like, she's literally making, like, baby noises as she cries. It's fun. Here's another funny thing about that. I, I agree that it was a little on the nose, but I, I also, like you, kind of liked it and was willing to let that slide a little bit. But another throwback to the first episode, I think it's in the first episode where um, Ray says to uh, to Hannah when she's talking about how she's possibly going to get by in New York without her parents' money. And he says, it's like I'm watching Clueless. And that girl, I mean, a lot of things remind me of Cher Horowitz just because. But that girl reminded me of Cher Horowitz. Like, I, I expected her to be like, this isn't a lie, even though she was only wearing like an Abercrombie T-shirt. But that kind of crying, like, baby, that's how Cher talks early on in that movie and especially after that mugging scene. And uh, and it reminded me of that. And it was like in that situation, you know, Lena Dunham, Hannah was acting like her own mother in a way. But she was also acting like, quote, unquote, old man Ray, being like, listen, right, you know, right. You are you are clueless. Let me let me enlighten you about how completely oblivious you are as to how advantaged you have it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that scene, but it was mostly because I I I I could see you can see the sort of turn that the story is going to take before it gets there. Mm-hmm. So I suppose because I could see that it was going to be like, oh no, she is not being what diddled by her stepfather or whatever Hannah <laughs> assumes. Um, she's instead like trying to escape to her boyfriend's house because I could see it coming. I was, I, I wasn't bothered by sort of the over the topness of it. Um, and then also I just love so much that moment when Hannah just becomes her mother. Um, it felt like, it felt like this really, that again, tied into all of the thematic stuff that that, 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 um, finale did so well. Yeah. At the same time, I wasn't 100% sure that Hannah had had thought to herself, you know, two hours ago, I was speaking to my mother and not understanding what she was saying to me. I don't know if she was connecting the two things yet. Right. Which is, yeah. which is also very typical of that character. So that, sure. that kind of worked yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the show, you know, we've, we've all talked about this a little bit amongst ourselves, just how this season kind of has toyed with Hannah's likability a little bit. And, you know, in this episode in particular, I felt like, you know, just as we were leaving her in the last episode with her kind of becoming an adult and, you know, moving upstate and you have this kind of serene image of Hannah floating into her new life, you, you're you kind of plopped, you're plopped back into it here and you know, she's the same old Hannah and she does some things that are really frustrating, like yelling at her mom and even at Marnie, like Marnie's there to help her and she can't. But help is her. she, though? I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever her motivations are, she's still helping her. And Hannah's pretty rude. And I, I mean, she's Marnie. Yeah. She's Marnie. You know, like she's, she's there because she won to prove she's the best friend and to sit up <laughs> very straight in a chair and tell her how to breastfeed when she's never lactated in her life. Yeah. And yeah. also so she doesn't have to live in her mother's home gym anymore. Like, I feel like all of those things yeah, are motivating but, her. But there is an element of, yes, she I think she's I think on some level trying to help. Right. And I think they're both being insufferable. You know, like Hannah's like, I finished my ju- juice, juice box. Get me another one, basically. <laughs> and like, how dare you think of going out tomorrow night, even though you've been with me for five, I don't know how long, five months. And, you know, like, there's this element of like, 
well, you're supposed to be taking care of this baby with me, and that's what you promised. So now do it for me. <laughs> like, so and I'll sleep till eleven. Yeah, exactly. Um, like even at the end, when you hear the baby crying, like Marnie and the, her mom both get up immediately. Like, obviously, that's the moment when Hannah has realized, you know, she's decided that this is her job. But they're the ones who are in mom mode. It seems like more so. Yeah, totally. But what was I? Oh, right. Likeability. Yes, yes. Her likability. And just it kind of never it definitely I, I like that it doesn't allow you to it, it does like Hannah is Hannah until the end of the show. It's not like this perfect arc of growth where she's suddenly this mature, enlightened person who understands how to interact with other humans <laughs> in a normal way. But she's getting a little uh, more self-aware. Yeah, she's getting a little better. Like, so, like, very, very, it's incremental growth. Like, it, yeah. like kind of in the way the Mad, in the way Mad Men ended, where, you know, Don has this mm, epiphany. You know, you know that he has it for that moment, but you know that he doesn't, he's not going to be a completely changed person. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if there's a question about the difference between growth and like being functional, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, the the threat of this whole show is that Hannah is going to somehow, her inability to grow or her just being stuck wherever she is or her backsliding is going to prevent her from doing the stuff that she wants to do, right? And at least in the finale, we get to this sense of, okay, maybe she's not likable in a lot of ways still, and maybe she hasn't grown much, but the that sort of final sequence where she stands up and she goes upstairs and the baby gets fed somehow, it doesn't particularly matter how, mm-hmm. um, suggests that, like, look, even if she's not growing much, she's going to manage this thing. It's going to be hard, but she's going to do it. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of interesting to me. The, the likability stuff, though, is so so tied up with um, why like what we need from her in order to like her do we need her to be less self-involved because parenthood parenthood has not done that to her yet do we need her to be a successful writer we have no evidence of that um, you know and right. so that that to me becomes part of the the finale is sort of that's sort of the ambiguity of the finale that I like the most, actually. I think a lot of the thematic stuff almost felt too neat, but I love the fact that we still are in this Hannah place at the end. Yeah, it still feels true to who she is. What what do you guys think about her naming her baby Grover? Which is what why? Why <laughs> suggested? Why would she take his suggestion? I don't know, and I wish we had some sense. Of why? Because that is so interesting to me that she would decide to do that, especially when it's such a bizarre name. He's a Muppet. I mean, yeah, I like Grover he's the a Muppet. Muppet. Yeah. So the thing is that it's the one thing that Paul Louis suggested, right? Mm-hmm. When she's on the phone call with him, like the one thing he says about parenting is like, I always thought like Grover was a cool name. And so then the baby is named Grover. Um and but but I don't know where to take it past that, right. right? Is it like this is the one connection I can give you to your father? Is it I couldn't make a decision, and so at least somebody did? I don't know. And then there's the element of maybe it's just supposed to be funny, 
Right. Maybe it's yeah. just the show being a comedy on this level of it. Wouldn't it be funny if the baby's name was Grover? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 I do. I do want to touch on the race of the baby as well, because mm-hmm. yes. that has started some conversation just, you know, in terms of both a some people pointed out that the baby actually looks black, which I is a maybe a separate conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But Regardless, we have Hannah who ends up with a non-white baby after years of the show being critiqued about race. And the show doesn't actually address the fact that she's raising a a baby that doesn't look like her. And I think, you know, I think for me, I what you know, I'm not expecting the show to really take on race and I never really have. But I I would have liked some sort of acknowledgement, like because it, it does feel like something Hannah would talk about at least at the very least to make some sort of off color remark or mm-hmm. something, you know, like off color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, I I feel like that's something that she would have said something about, and maybe it felt it's 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 it's. I don't know. It's just fascinating to me because it's something I'm sure that the writers must have talked about considering they chose to make it a baby that is um, half Pakistani. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it, it feels like something that could have been acknowledged, like you're saying, Gazelle, in, in, in just even a small moment. Like, I feel like it's very likely that sometimes on the street, like Hannah would would get double takes if people see her with this baby or um and that and that she would be offended by it and and would maybe right lash out at people when they when they do that and so even just a small moment like that for example in the doctor's office right yeah or the moment it. where i was really surprised that it did not come up is that scene where she's with her mother in the bathroom and she's naked in the bathtub and she's listing all of her anxieties about like being a parent mm-hmm. and how this baby is so beautiful. She says like, like I'm overweight and you know, I isolate people and I'm a quitter and I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to raise him in a way that's separate. And like, there, it just feels very, it, there was this huge opportunity there for her to say like, and also he has this whole other issue that is going to be a part of our lives. Um, and I, it was not there. But maybe yeah. that was on purpose, that she's so, she hasn't even begun to consider that yet. Yeah, right. it's true. Yeah, that's true, too. And, you know, I I think, you know, Matt, Matt Solar Seitz pointed out in his review, I think he wrote, that because race, race has been such a sticking point when it comes to this show, because you feel like the show is so smart that it would be smart enough to tackle this issue as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's more the thing where you kind of want the show to to take it on in a in a way that feels as smart as everything else that it does. Um just because you have such high expectations for the show. But yeah, I'm just I guess I'm just really curious as to you know if why they made the decision to have Paloui be the father. And, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the only thing up until the sort of the the finale episode, when then she has this baby who she never addresses the race of up until the finale, I think, and this is another point that Matt makes and um, has been made elsewhere. There's an excellent piece in BuzzFeed about this. Um, There is a a magical Negro element of this season that, Mm -hmm. um, 
is really troubling a bit. Um, and it happens with many characters. And so Paul, Louis honestly felt like a part of that thing where it was as though girls was trying to address race by sort of having people pop up out of nowhere and kind of be part of the background of what this show was, except in then doing that, they created this, like, our white characters are going to learn from these non-white people right. problems. Um, and so that that really did feel like sort of what Paul Louis was, except now then in the finale, it is integrated as part of Hannah's life. It is clearly this choice that they have made. And visually, we we see it all over the finale. And so then that gets a lot more interesting and complicated about why they didn't address it right, at all. Exactly. And I don't know. It, w- it would have been fine, obviously, if Paul Louis were just a fling who was, you know, in her life for that one episode. And but the fact that she's kind of this is like a fundamental part of her life now um, is is where it leaves you a little bit frustrated with the fact that it it decides to just completely ignore that issue. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like, why go down that road if right. you're not going to engage it? Yeah, yeah, I guess, I yeah, that that's the question. So so now that we've come to the end of the of this series, um, I wonder who you guys think, which of the girls has become the most... Um, has has matured the most. Which of the girls is now a woman, if you if you will? Um, do you do you have any thoughts on that? Hmm, that's hard. Yeah, because I, I think people knee jerk would say Shoshana, but I don't agree with that. Yeah, because I just don't believe that this life that she's suddenly poofed into existence with this new fiance and and all these new friends, like it just seems very false to me. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I actually kind of, I kind of want to go with Marnie. <laughs> mm. In a well, weird that's a way. crazy answer. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like she's kind of, you know, she's she's put her life on hold so she can figure out what's next. And she's obviously not dealing with her life right now. But I see the most signs of her, like, kind of trying to yeah. think about what she wants in a way that feels kind of honest. And that. The other girls, you know, Hannah's obviously, she's kind of the obvious choice because she's had yeah. a, a child. But I don't, I don't know that that necessarily convinces me that she's grown up. Whereas, I don't know, I think, I think Marnie like has a desire. I, I guess I see some sort of desire in her to, to grow up that... But I don't know. It's it's really hard because then with Marnie, you kind of it's she's Marnie. So yeah. I just think she's she's still not doing a lot of deep thinking. Like when she says at the end of uh, toward the end of the episode, when she's talking to uh, Loreen about uh, maybe she wants to go to law school, which is just like the classic thing people say when they have no idea what the hell they're doing. Like, oh, I want to go to law school. Right, right. Uh, and it's really expensive. That seems like a great idea. Marnie, you have but, no money. But I could see, <laughs> I could totally see her bossing people around. I could see that also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny when she said, I, I, I you know, I, I like rules. So that's why I'd want to go into the law. And maybe she'd be a great lawyer. But it just felt like, yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt like she still is not digging very deeply. And she's, and right. she's still not thinking. She's still not thinking about other people's perceptions of her and, and a lot of other things. Yeah. I, she, I guess maybe what's more accurate is I think she's the one who wants 
to be an adult the most. And she kind of, you know, like even in the first episode, like another callback to the pilot is just to me this idea of Marnie trying to help Hannah get her life together. Like in the pilot, she tells Hannah to go tell her parents, you know, I forget exactly what she tells her to do, but kind of make a stand and tell her exactly what she needs from them. And she, you know, she's trying to kind of guide her. And she's kind of doing that here, too, where she's like, I can come in and and help her raise this baby because I'm a grown up and I'm a good friend and all these things. And, you know, she's looking at it on a very superficial level, but she does seem to have this idea of adulthood that is maybe more of a it's not necessarily that she's actually made any movement towards it, but she wants it. Mm-hmm. I guess what I think about when I'm thinking about this question is like, what happened to Jessa? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where did she go? And is that a failure of the show or is that just who Jessa always was? Jessa, you know, is that, is that like a lost thread that is a problem? I don't particularly think so because I, for what I, Jessa has always been kind of a, a irksome mystery to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but it is really interesting that like I think Elijah grows up. Elijah right. gets more of a like girls' growth narrative than Jessa does. She was kind of all over the place in a way that sometimes made sense for her character, but sometimes felt like they didn't know quite what to do with her. Right. But I I really did like her whole arc with Adam in season five. You know, like that felt very like they were kind of digging into both of those characters together in a real way, and. You know, where does that leave her? I don't know. You know, like we don't have a sense of how we know that she loves Adam and that's what we know. But I don't know. I mean, I hate to say this, but I feel like in a lot of ways, the the characters that I felt demonstrated the most definitive growth. And I feel like these these people are more on the right track are Elijah and Ray and Adam. (laughs) And and uh, you hate to say that about a show called Girls that's so focused on women, but it it really it really does feel that way to me. I think that's okay in a way, because I I think that's only because we haven't necessarily seen them in as much depth where there's too much. We just know too much about the girls and we kind of can see their flaws. So. So closely, that's true, where it's easier to to kind of be like, well, they haven't gotten it together in this way or that. They're still the same old Marnie or Jessa or whatever the case may be. Whereas with the boys, like, you know, we've seen we have these kind of points in our mind of, oh, Elijah's now kind of going off to make his career happen. And it's it's a little bit more of a simplistic narrative almost. Right. That's true. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I think some of what has made the show so great is how complex all of these women are. And uh, and that's also, I think, part of what I loved but was a little frustrated by in the finale is that it creates a, a fairly neat ending out of Hannah's complexity. And I think Marnie's as well. But because the men have never been quite as fully formed, it's actually easier to create these neat little sort of like rays on the carousel going around and around. And Elijah's yelling like, eat a dick, you know, <laughs> that. that <laughs> That feels it's easier to create that kind of little button for them, right? Um, but you can't when the women are so such gorgeous messes. Yeah, Elijah's still very catty and and has a lot of his own issues. So maybe that's not fair of me to say. I mean, I, I guess you know of the four girls, I, I I know it's the pat obvious answer, but I would probably say Hannah. Yeah, and for the reason that that um, 
Catherine, you just said, is that we've spent more time with her than anyone else. And so even those incremental changes, as, as we said earlier, seem magnified in some way that you can see growth because you've studied her so, so closely, even though that growth, like, you know, to a lot of people might not look like much. It, it looks like a lot when you watch her for this many seasons for this much time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've come around to it's yeah, she'll 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 always frustrate us still. And, you know, one step forward, yep. two steps back, kind of. But but she's kind and you, of and making two steps way. back while not wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's show. The Vulture TV podcast is produced by Jordan Bell. Laura Mayer is our director of production and Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. The Vulture TV podcast is part of the Panoply Network. I'm Gazella Mommy, and you can find me on Twitter at Gazella Mommy. I'm Jen Cheney, and you can find me on Twitter at Cheney J. And I'm Catherine Van Arendonk, and you can find me on Twitter at K Van Arendonk.